Howdy y'all, welcome to the Super Sexy Podcast, where every other week we get together to speculate as to the sex lives of superheroes. It's locker room talk for nerds, geeks, fanboys, and any and all aficionados of pop culture. As always, I'm your host, Superman's pal, Matthew J. Therio. With me is mild-mannered Andy Taylor. We are, <laughs> we are the Super Sexy Podcasters. Now Andy. Yes. We are going to have a problem with this podcast. Oh, why is that? Because we only get together every other week. But we have a segment at the very end called So I'm at the Bar, which is a record of all my memoirs of my sexual adventures and misadventures both. Okay. The problem being, we're never going to even get to the end of it all because in the two weeks' time that it takes us you know, to record... I've gone and had another three or four more adventures. Oh, okay. You're, you're being uh, considerate. I was going to say 14 at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am at the bar quite a bit. I'll say that much. So I'm not saying that I'm going to like drone on and on about more and more of my adventures, but uh, I, I'm just acknowledging the inherent flaw in the system here. I hear you. But before we get to that, we've got a topic for today. And that is Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. Now, normally we would only take one episode to talk about all the different love interests of a particular superhero. But with Superman, there's just so much to cover, even more than Batman. We are breaking it up into three parts. Part one is going to be Lois Lane. Next week, we're going to ask the question, who the hell is LL? All the other women in his life that have had the initials LL. And uh, in week three, we're going to get to all the other super babes out there. And there are quite a few of them as well. It's not only been Lois, you know, the whole time, even though she is inarguably the love of his life. Yeah. So, Andy, we're going to talk a little bit about how Superman's powers have affected his performance in the bedroom. Okay. But before you and I get to speculating, there's someone else that's... uh, Put a lot of thought into the matter. Do you know who that is? Oh, Larry Nevins? That is correct. In 1969, he wrote an essay called Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex that was basically the prototype for the Super Sexy Podcast. Like where he got way too into the sex life of Superman. And we're actually going to read that essay. It's very, very short. Uh, we're going to read it uh, as part of today's episode. And one of the interesting things about that, before we get into the essay itself, Penthouse had comics, and they reprinted Larry Niven's essay, and alongside of it were illustrations by Kurt Swan, the single most famous Superman artist of all time. Now, he blacked out the silhouette of whomever was performing these acts but given that the essay was talking about superman and given that he was the superman artist you can guess what yeah. uh what that silhouette looks like uh i'm sure somebody's already you know copying pasted and fixed and photoshopped all the stuff today it is quite possible so without further ado let's get into it he's faster than a speeding bullet he's more powerful than a locomotive He's able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Why can't he get a girl? At the ripe old age of 31, Cal-El is still unmarried. Almost certainly, he is a virgin. This is a serious matter. The species itself is in danger. An unwed Superman is a mobile Superman. Thus, it has always been alleged that those who chronicle the Man of Steel's adventures are responsible for his condition. But the cartoonists are not to blame. Nor is Superman handicapped by psychological problems. Granted that the poor oaf is not entirely sane. How could he be? He is an orphan, a refugee, and an alien. His homeland no longer exists in any form, save for gigatons upon gigatons of dangerous, prettily colored rocks. As a child and young adult, Kal-El must have been hard put to find an adequate father figure. What human could control his antisocial behavior? What human would dare try to punish him? His actual highly social behavior during this period indicates an inhuman self-restraint. What wonder if Superman 
drifted gradually into schizophrenia. Torn between his human and Kryptonian identities, he chose to be both, keeping his split personalities rigidly separate. A psychotic desperation is evident in his defense of his, quote, secret identity, unquote. But Superman's sex problems are strictly physiological and quite real. The purpose of this article is to point out some medical drawbacks to being a Kryptonian among human beings and to suggest possible solutions. The Kryptonian humanoid must not be allowed to go the way of the pterodactyl or the passenger pigeon. What turns on a Kryptonian? Superman is an alien, an extraterrestrial. His humanoid frame is doubtless the result of parallel evolution, as the marsupials of Australia resemble their marmalian counterparts. A specific niche in the ecology calls for a certain shape, a certain size, certain capabilities, certain eating habits. But, be not deceived by appearances, Superman is no relative to Homo sapiens. What arouses Kal-El's mating urge? Did Kryptonian women carry some subtle mating cue at appropriate times of the year? Whatever it is, Lois Lane probably didn't have it. We may speculate that she smells wrong, less like a Kryptonian woman than like a terrestrial monkey. A mating between Superman and Lois Lane would feel like bestiality, and would be, of course, by church and common law. Assuming a mating between Superman and a human woman designated LL for convenience. Either Superman has gone completely schizo and believes himself to be Clark Kent, or he knows what he's doing but no longer gives a damn. 31 years is a long time. For Superman, it has been even longer. He has x-ray vision. He knows just what he's missing. One should not think of Superman as a Peterman Tom. A biological ability must be used. As a child, Superman may never have known that things had surfaces until he learned to suppress his x-ray vision. If millions of people tend to shamelessly wear clothing with no lead in the weave, that is hardly Superman's fault. The problem is this. Electroencephalograms taken of men and women during sexual intercourse show that orgasms resemble a kind of pleasurable epileptic attack. One loses control over one's muscles. Superman has been known to leave his fingerprints in steel and hardened concrete accidentally. What would he do to the woman in his arms during what amounts to an epileptic fit? Consider the driving urge between a man and a woman, the monomaniacal urge to achieve greater and greater penetration. Remember also that we are dealing with Kryptonian muscles. Superman would literally crush LL's body in his arms while simultaneously ripping open her from crotch to sternum, gutting her like a trout. Lastly, he'd blow off the top of her head. Ejaculation of semen is entirely involuntary in the human male and in all other forms of terrestrial life. It would be unreasonable to assume otherwise for a Kryptonian. But with Kryptonian muscles behind it, Kal-El semen would emerge with the muscle velocity of a machine gun bullet. In view of the foregoing, normal sex is impossible between LL and Superman. Artificial insemination may give us better results. First, we must collect the semen. The goblets will emerge at transonic speeds. Superman must first ejaculate, then fly frantically after the stuff to catch it in a test tube. We assume that he is on the moon for both privacy and to prevent the semen from exploding into vapor uh, hitting the air at such speeds. He can catch the semen, of course, before it evaporates in vacuum. He's faster than a spinning bullet. But can he keep it? All known forms of Kryptonian life have superpowers. The same must hold true of living Kryptonian sperm. We may reasonably assume that the Kryptonian sperm are vulnerable only to starvation and to green kryptonite, that they can travel with equal ease through water, air, vacuum, glass, brick, boiling steel, solid steel, liquid helium, or the core of a star, and that they are capable of translite velocities. What kind of test tube will hold such beasties? Kryptonian sperm and their unusual powers will give us further trouble. For the moment, we will assume, because we must, that they tend to stay in the seminal fluid, which tends to stay in a simple glass tube, 
Thus, Superman and LL can perform artificial insemination. At least there will be another generation of Kryptonians. Or will there? A ripened but unfertilized egg leaves LL's ovary, beginning its voyage down her fallopian tube. Sometime later, tens of millions of sperm released from a test tube begin their voyage up LL's fallopian tomb. The magic moment approaches. Can human breed with Kryptonian? Do we even use the same genetic code? On the face of it, LL could more easily breed with an ear of corn than with Kal-El. But coincidences do happen. If the genes match, one sperm arrives before the others. It penetrates the egg, forms a lump on its surface, the cell wall now thickened to prevent the other sperm form entering. Within the now fertilized egg, chances take place. And 10 million Kryptonian sperm arrive slightly late. Were they human sperm, they would be out of luck. But these tiny blind things are more powerful than a locomotive. A thickened cell wall won't stop them. They will all enter the egg, obliterating it entirely in an orgy of microscopic gang rape. So much for artificial insemination. But LL's problems are just beginning. With her body, there are still tens of millions of frustrated Kryptonian sperm. The single egg is now too diffuse to be a target. The sperm scatter. They scatter without regard to what is in their path. They leave curved channels, microscopically small. Presently, all will have found their way to open air. That leaves LL with 7 million microscopic perforations all leading deep into her abdomen. Most of the channels will intersect one or more loops of the intestine. Peritonosis is inevitable. LL will become desperately ill. Meanwhile, tens of millions of sperm spawn all over the air in Metropolis. This is more serious than it looks. Consider, these sperms are virtually indestructible. Within days or weeks, they will die for lack of nourishment. Meanwhile, they cannot be affected by heat, cold, vacuum, toxins, or anything short of green kryptonite. There, are, there they are, minuscule but dangerous, for each has supernormal powers. Metropolis is shaken by tiny sonic booms. Wormholes charged by meteoric, meteoric heat sprout magically in all kinds of things. Plate glass, masonry, antique ceramics, electric mixers, wood household pets, and citizens. Some of the sperm will crack light speed. The Metropolis night comes alive with a network of narrow, eerie blue lines of Cherkov radiation and women whom Superman has never met find themselves in a delicate condition. Consider, LL won't get pregnant because there are too many of the blind beasts inside of her. But whenever one sperm approaches an unfertilized human egg in its panic flight, it will attack. How close is close enough? A few centimeters? Are sperm attracted by chemical cues? It seems likely. Metropolis has a population of millions, and Kryptonian sperm could travel a long and crooked path billions of miles before it gives up and dies. Several thousands blessed events seem not unlikely. Several thousand lawsuits would follow. Not that Superman can't afford to pay. There is a trick where you squeeze a lump of coal into its allotropic diamond form. The above analysis gives us part of the answer. In our experiment in artificial insemination, we must use a single sperm. This presents no difficulty. Superman may use his microscopic vision and a pair of tiny tweezers to pluck a sperm from the swarm. In its eagerness, the single sperm may crash through LL's abdomen at transonic speed, wrecking havoc. Is there any way to slow it down? There is. We can expose it to gold kryptonite. Gold kryptonite, we remember, robs a Kryptonian of all his supernormal powers permanently. Were we to expose Superman himself to gold kryptonite, we would solve all of his sex problems, but he would be Clark Kent forever. We may regard this solution as somewhat drastic. But, we can expose the test tube of seminal fluid to gold kryptonite, then use standard techniques for artificial insemination. 
by any of these methods, we can get LL pregnant without killing her. Are we out of the woods yet? Though exposed to gold kryptonite, the sperm still carries kryptonian genes. If these are recessive, then LL carries a developing human fetus. There will be no more supermen. But at least we need not worry about the mother's health. But, if some or all of the kryptonian genes are dominant, can the infant use x-ray vision before birth? After all, with such a power he can probably see through his own closed eyelids. That would leave LL sterile. If the kid starts using heat vision, things get even worse. But when he starts to kick, it's all over. He will kick his way out into open air, killing himself and his mother. Is there a solution? There are. Each has drawbacks. We can make LL wear a kryptonite condom or a belt around her waist. But too little kryptonite may allow the child to damage her, while too much may damage or kill the child. Intermediate amounts may do both, and there is no safe way to experiment. A better solution is to find a host mother. We have not yet considered the existence of Supergirl. She could carry the child without harm, but Supergirl has a secret identity and her secret identity is no more married than Supergirl herself. If she turned up pregnant, she would probably be thrown out of school. A better solution may be to implant the growing fetus in Superman himself. There are places in a man's abdomen where a fetus could draw adequate nourishment, growing as a parasite, and where it would not cause undue harm to surrounding organs. Presumably, Clark Kent can take a leave of absence more easily than Supergirl or her alter ego. When the time comes, the child would be removed by cesarean section. It would have to be removed early, but there would be no problem with incubators as long as it was fed. I leave the problem of cutting through Superman's invulnerable skin as an exercise for the alert reader. The mind boggles at the image of a pregnant Superman cruising the skies of Metropolis. Batman would refuse to be seen with him. Strange new jokes would circulate the prisons. And the race of Krypton would be safe at last. Well, Andy, do you think Mr. Niven has found the solution to the problem of the Kryptonian race? He's on the right path. I think we've learned a lot about genetics and a lot about uh, biology to know that it's a, it's it's good. And plus, there's other characters that we can replace with Supergirl. You know, there's there's different concepts. I mean, just just. Just for, to give you an idea, that the uh, the the hyena, the females have penises. Really, I did not know that. Yeah, they have what's called a penis form, and they actually give birth through it. So, who are we to say that uh, Superman actually or Kal El is actually uh, male by our standards? I, I just got a quote, Family Guy here. Damn nature, you nasty. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, you never know. I mean, who's to say they can't even have gender, that, or I mean, not gender, I'm sorry, bi uh, biological sexes the same as we do? Well, we do have comic book writers that have testified to the Kryptonian morphology. And while they have not specified the male member, uh, I think we can presume that part is at least the same. However, they have specified, and I'm talking specifically about... Uh, who was the writer of Earth 2 during the New 52 era? Uh, Robinson? Yeah, Robinson. Uh, on a podcast, he specified that the Kryptonian anus is entirely vestigial. They have 100% nutrient absorption and use. Wow. They don't defecate because they don't produce shit. They don't produce waste. So what is the Kryptonian anus used for? Only pleasure. <laughs> Oh man, that—that that is, is right from the writer's mouth. Well, you know what? That—I I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, if if their biology is such that they can absorb all nutrients from everything that they consume, then including why, photosynthesis, including photosynthesis. So they, yeah, why not? I mean, if it's a whole, it, it's got to be used for something. Yeah. Well, it could be vestigial. It doesn't have to be used. For oh, it doesn't have to, but it's it, there's gonna it's gonna be used. I mean, because I mean, even nature finds uses for things that don't really like like oh, 
that's not what it's used for? Okay, we'll find something else to, it's used for. You know, it's just, I don't know, everything gets used in nature in some way, I think. That is true. And uh, as far as Supergirl, like, obviously, cultural standards have changed where she could presumably be a surrogate mother without the same kind of uh, backlash by the surrounding culture. She wouldn't be made a pariah necessarily. And, and and as long as you control the media, you can assure that they're not related in some way. You know, you can say like, oh, they're not first cousins. They're actually distant relatives or they're very distant or they don't they're not even related. You know? Unfortunately, that's not an option, because if that was Superman probably wouldn't be married to Lois Lane. He'd probably be married to Kara Danvers, uh, Kara Zor-El, as we'll talk about uh, next week. Or he might Wonder have Woman. a little bit of a crush on his 16 year old cousin. Well, I mean, or Wonder Woman, you know. Wonder Woman could uh, be a donor, or Ursa. Don't forget that uh, she is also alive and well as a member of the Kryptonian race. The last living female Kryptonian, if I'm not mistaken. But she is married to General Zod, so uh, unless Superman wants to cuck Zod, which I'm sure he probably actually would want to. Well, what about Feora in Man of Steel? Uh, Feora is not in the comics, to my understanding. Oh, she uh, was a character developed or created for the... Well, she was originally in the comics, but, uh, she's no longer post, uh, New 52. Ah, okay. Or, or post-crosses on Infinite Earth, really. Got, okay. Right. But there, there are other options. Like, if for some reason Superman was able to get it with Lois Lane from Earth 3, who is that world's superwoman, she could carry the child to term. So, th- there are possibilities of surrogate motherhood assuming the genes match up and they can genetically reproduce right which has been shown to be very very difficult superman has been tried to be cloned many many times uh by many scientists always failing uh the closest they got to a clone of him was superboy uh connor uh con l uh, but he has half-human DNA because they couldn't perfectly clone Superman. And the human DNA they got wasn't Lois Lane's. You know who it was? Oh, uh, I, re- I remember um, the story. Another LL. Yeah. Lex Luthor. So he is the love child of Superman and Lex Luthor. Ooh. <laughs> Gross, right? <laughs> but uh, Superman could never crack the code himself. So you know what he did in the last hours that he had before... Uh, he died, and this is an all-star Superman. He took the time to read every single letter, A, T, C, C, G, wrote it all down by hand in a book, and gave all these trillions of uh, letters of his genetic code to uh, Leo Quintum. To like, Leo, you're even smarter than I am. Make it work. You know, give this, you know... To Lois Lane, like, make sure, you know, she has my child. So, that is how he ensured the future of the Kryptonian race. Huh. It's interesting. I mean, like, because for me, it, it, you know, you have to have 23 and 23 match up, you know. And it's got to be, you know, human or somewhat like, like, the reason why we can't mate with monkeys or stuff is because they have 40. 44. 48, 44, yeah. And, or no, 48. Or no, no, 48, 40, because uh, yeah, chromosome number two is a fusion of uh, chromosomes uh, two and three in yeah. primates. And so, so we... Which is which actually have the greatest piece of evidence 46. against yeah. uh, creationism, I would say. Uh-huh. Because if you look at human chromosome number two, you see that instead of having a centromere... Uh, and telomeres at the end. It has telomeres at the end, then two centromeres, then telomeres in the middle as well, which indicates that, you know, there was a fusion. And, and if the, you look at other primates, yeah. you can see that's where they were fused. And this is, this is present in all people. You know, exactly. It's not, it's, you don't find it in one person and say like, oh, well, you know, that's a special case. You know, that no, it's in, in everybody. And that's so, one of those things that you can't get away from. So that scenario that yes. Larry Niven was talking about with sperm flying around downtown, hunting human wombs, you know, trying to impregnate all these different women. Grant Morrison was inspired by that scenario. And in his uh, comic book, The Filth, he had a character named Adrian Climax who had supersized big black sperm that could fly through the <laughs> air. I actually, 
ha- this happened where all his sperm, like the size of baseballs and basketballs, were flying around downtown, like shooting through the wombs of human women. And most died, but like over 600 got pregnant somehow. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the issue. And of course, he was a porn star. <laughs> oh, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Well, With that name. But I, I, I honestly, I don't see um, Niven's way of like where the sperm go, like all these places. Because when you actually zoom down to that size, distances become a lot different. But they are Kryptonian sperm. Like if a Kryptonian human can fly across the galaxy, you know, many times the speed of light. Uh, well, I mean, does Superman, because that would imply that Superman is faster than the Flash, probably. No, the Flash is many, many, many times so uh, the, so the speed he of light. Goes, oh, well, if you go faster than the speed of light, you're going back in time. Which Superman has been shown to be able to do, at least back in the Silver Age. Oh, well, yeah. But, I mean, at, at this point, it almost becomes an abuse. Because, um, it... it once we know more about like you, you, there is a limit you know you can't go faster than the speed of light but you can go up to the speed of light and th- there have been experiments shown that you know the the faster and faster and faster you approach the speed of light the more relativist relativistic relativistic effects uh you see and um or or become uh more pronounced and like the same thing when you cool things down to such cold temperatures that you actually start to see uh certain quantum uh, mechanical effects sort of become more pronounced right like if you go below absolute zero you actually get to like infinite uh yeah assuming temperature. you could i mean they, they've those, done experiments would not not below well all right so they've known where you you go down to a certain low temperature and then you um you're able to sort of flip something uh, flip a spin and like suddenly you like you're in infinite temperature or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's all yeah, I'm yeah. referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know what you're talking about. Anyway, let's uh, get yes. on to Lois Lane's biography. We- okay. We'll skip it with Superman. We'll talk about his personality more so next week since we're running a little bit long and yes. we have got so much to go through. Oh my god, so much. <laughs> now, her first appearance was in Action Comics number one in 1938. The same as Superman. She is as old of a character as Superman himself. Yeah. Now, her early look was based on a model hired by Siegel and Schuster named Joanne Carter, who would actually later go on to marry Jerry Siegel. So, you got to give him props for marrying a model. Yeah. I've, uh, I've personally dated like uh, four or so models, and I, I'm, I'm done, I think. They tend to go crazy, <laughs> in my experience. They start crazy, and then they just get crazier. But uh, Joanne, in an interview, later said that Lois Lane was also heavenly inspired by Torchy Blaine, a girl reporter who was the star of nine uh, pictures running from uh, 36 to 39 from Warner Brothers, beginning with the film Smart Blonde. And now Warner advertised her as a lady bloodhound with a nose for the news. And although she was mostly portrayed by Glenda Farrell, she wa- who was... And Glenda was probably uh, Schuster's visual inspiration. She was also portrayed in one film by an actress named Lola Lane. So that that's interesting, uh, but possibly just coincidental. Now, my personal favorite version of Lois comes out of the Golden and Silver Age, where she has this great dynamic where she is part of a love triangle with Clark and Superman, where she's very much like pursuing Superman, you know, but not at all interested in Clark at first. And then later in the Silver Age, you know, the only kind of interest she ever shows in Clark is trying to prove that he and Superman are one of the same. And even though it's like they're kind of flirtatious dance, Superman, for some reason or other, spends more time thwarting her ability to discover a secret identity than he ever does with, like, fighting supervillains. I-, I miss those stories. What, what, what about you? Do you prefer the uh, old dynamic or do you prefer like the post-crisis dynamic when she became like romantically involved with Clark and actually liked who he was and all that? Where uh, I, I actually kind of like the uh, the old one where like she kind of – she played coy I guess like where – or she kind of – no, well, she, she was in love with – 
she was in love with Superman, but she was like constantly like you know she it it, it it's almost like that dynamic between um uh I would probably say uh the the, the new Flash and Spider Man the way he uh he hates uh uh Peter Parker but he loves Spider Man. Oh, Flash Thompson. Flash, yeah. Flash okay, Thompson. I thought you were talking about like the Flash, like Barry Allen. Oh like, no, no, no! Like, wow, that yeah. that is a part of crosses on Infinite Earths I was unaware of. <laughs> no, but you understand, like I, I I like that where it's like it's going to come out. Like I like that sort of like where you're so hating the other person, or you're not noticing the other person, or you're constantly dismissing the other person in favor of like another, which turns out to be that person all to begin with oh yeah absolutely like I as you know that. i have i have a secret identity like uh the cowboy and matthew j therio are not always recognized as the same person even by longtime acquaintances like you know the manager of one of the bars i used to frequent like three or four times a day didn't notice me like walking down the street because i didn't have my cowboy hat i would love and this is on my bucket list to get into a love triangle with my alter ego like the cowboy is dating one of his, you know, many female friends, and Matthew, you know, is also, you know, in her sphere, but she's not aware that they're one and the same. Just at some point before I die, I want that to happen, and that's indubitably because of all the Superman comics I read. So, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Now, post-crisis, uh, things are very different. John Byrne rebooted the character of Lois Lane. Uh, made her much more interested in all the stories around the world than about, you know, Clark Kent being Superman. He never even hinted he had a secret identity, so no one even thought to, like, try to, like, break that story. But uh, she actually starts dating Clark Kent, and eventually he proposes to her, and it's only when she says yes that he reveals, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm Superman, and I've always been. Uh, and they were supposed to get married in the comics, like many many years before they actually did. Do you know the reason why that got postponed? Uh, not the original one, no. So what had happened was in the early '90s there was a television show called uh, Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. Oh yes, and yes. Okay. I remember. They wanted to coordinate the weddings with the comic and the show. I remember and that. Yes. And so do you know? <laughs> Um, I don't remember. I, I bought the comic where they actually like where they got married and it was a fold out, you know, like it was actually thick. It was a it was a really good comic book, you know, um, but I don't remember the one before it. No. Well, it wasn't immediately before it was. This was a few years before. Uh, and the way they stalled was they just killed him. They created a character that was a Hulk. Oh, called, named yes. Doomsday. Doomsday. And they, yes. Uh. And they killed him. Yes, I remember that. And she held him in his arms and cried. I remember that one. Yep. Oh, everyone from our generation does. That was like the biggest news story of the year at the time. Like in mainstream, not in just comics. What year was that? That was, uh... I want to say 92. Yeah, that was... You know, that was a crazy year because that was the year Mortal Kombat came out. That was like the year... I I could be wrong. It could be 91 or it could be as late as like 93 Uh, or 94 even. Honestly, 91, 92, 93, 94 were like insane years. Well, it wasn't 94 because 94 was zero uh, crisis or zero year or whatever it was, uh, So, and which was definitely after the resurrection. Uh, so, yeah, it was like uh, 92 into 93, I think. It was so long ago. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I feel old, man. Oh, it... If Superman was old at 31, you know, I don't, actually, I've started telling girls my real age lately. I, I used to round down by a few years, but, uh, <laughs> so I'm actually the same age as Superman in the movie, Man of Steel, uh, 33. So, if, in case viewers were interested, me and Superman are the same age. You know, right. I, I actually had that feeling when I turned 33, I'm like, I'm the sage, or uh, when I turn 31, I'm like, I'm going to be as old as Superman. And then when I turn 33, I'm like, I'm old as Jesus. You oh, I the, yep, I was thinking. Yeah, Easter this year, I texted all of my friends like, ha, I made it uh, longer than Jesus did. <laughs> uh, uh, of course, like many of my friends uh, are, are Christians, and so they're trying to say, no, no, he's 
2019 years old. He he, he got better, just like yeah. Superman did. Yeah, he's still here. He's still here. <laughs> he's in all of us. <laughs> yep, you got to keep counting the years. <laughs> That's why I'd see your 2019. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so anyway, despite Larry Niven's uh, speculations, the comics have had a few occasions in which Lois and Clark have been not just romantically involved, but actually able to produce an offspring. Yeah. Now, in the current continuity, they have a child named John Kent. And what had happened was this transdimensional version of Brainiac Telos was collecting entire worlds, like universes, and bottling them up. And the pre-New uh, 52 version of Superman, he bottled him up, and he had no powers during that captivity. And that's when him and Lois did the nasty and... Uh, produced a kid who turned out to be the new Superboy, John Kent. Of course, named after, you know, his... Jonathan. Yeah. His father, uh, yeah. Yeah, his adopted Adopted father. father, yeah. Yeah. Now, in the movie Superman 2, uh, Superman and Lois, they also get it on when he steps into the kryptonite, uh, not kryptonite, but like uh, the Kryptonian crystal chamber and has the red sunlight shine on him. And he loses his powers because he wants to be with uh, Lois so bad. And that results in a son named Jason, who you learn about in the movie Superman Returns. Now, back to the comics and What Happened to the Man of Tomorrow by Alan Moore. One of the greatest Superman stories ever told. They get married again after he loses his powers. You know, he decides that Superman has to die after he kills Mixelpitalik. So what he does is he takes some of that aforementioned gold kryptonite and he removes all of his powers and he gets a new secret identity, uh, Jordan Elliot, and they have a son together, Jonathan Elliot. He's always naming his kid John. Yeah, Doesn't have any dad. creativity. I-, I liked when they adopted a kid who was actually General Zod's kid uh, and they named him Chris Kent. That's what I think Superman's son should be, Christopher Kent. I, I I honestly think that if he if he had a daughter or adopted a girl, he would name her Martha. He did have a daughter uh, in uh, Kingdom Come timeline. I forget what her name was though. But I I'm guarantee you he probably put something with his his adopted mother's name in there because he loved her. I guarantee you more than anybody else. Like, is that the Martha that uh, Batman has to save? You gotta save Martha, my my, my bastard daughter. Martha. <laughs> but yeah, for the uh, part three where we talk about his relationship with uh, with Wonder Woman, we'll definitely look into what the name of their daughter is. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, in uh, Injustice, both the comics and uh, the video game, obviously, uh, Lois Lane is pregnant uh, when she's murdered. I'm not sure if they specify how Superman was able to impregnate her. Yeah, you, you don't you don't recall? I, no, I I think he's a I think that that he's able to lower his powers if he wants to in that in that universe. Okay, I'm not sure. I could be wrong. You know, I probably am. You know, I'm speaking on my ass. I mean, this is this is after room after all locker room talk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll look into that. Uh, All right, yeah, we'll do that later. So on Earth-3, Lois Lane is the supervillainous Superwoman, as we mentioned, uh, and she's romantically involved with Ultraman, who is an evil, do- evil doppelganger of uh, Superman. Uh-huh. So that's one way that they've been able to have a... Well, actually, they never had a child together because she cheated on him with... Uh, Basically, Lionel Luther, who had the powers of Shazam, but spoken backwards. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce uh, Shazam backwards right now. I mean, I can't pronounce that little midget that's magic. I'm sorry, what's the midget? Oh, I I always mispronounce it as Mixelpitalik, but I think it's uh, Mixelpitalik. I I can't, yeah. I don't even want to say it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that. Uh, Mixelpitalik? And finally, rounding off our uh, biography of uh, yes. Lois Lane, just like two months ago, she got her own comic book named Lois Lane for the first time since the Silver Age, you know, back when uh, she was starring in Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. Actually, I think that might have extended a little bit into the Bronze Age. Uh, I want to say uh, Kurt Swan was drawing that at some point. 
too. And, uh, yeah, that's about it for uh, what we got on Lois Lane. Which brings us to our recurrent segments. We're, we're going to get to Men Wanna Be Him next week. So let's just head straight into the casting couch. Okay. Now, Andy. Yes. Who is the most attractive actress ever to portray Superman's love interest, Lois Lane, in live action? Uh, all right. So at the time, at the time, well, I, I oh, would... Let's enumerate, you know, for our right. listeners, yeah. some of their options. Let's go through this. So who do we have? You, you, you lead us. Okay, so the first one is Noelle Neal. She's uh, in Kirk Allen's serial Superman and Super, uh, Superman and Superman versus uh, Adam Man in the late 40s and 50s. Right, yeah, Kirk Allen was the Superman of those, and Noelle Neal was like his co-star. So she's uh, she's a, I guess, somewhat attractive. Um, really? Yeah, she's she. I mean, at the time, I'm like. The makeup's she's, doing well, you know? The makeup's well. She's got buggy eyes. And she, frizzy hair. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I have frizzy hair, you know? She's got the same shit. She's got the same hair as me. And, and they're not just buggy. They're a little sullen, like sunk in the eyes. Yeah. But, uh, and she she's probably looks like she's got a butthole chin. Who knows? No, not really. Not nearly as much as Superman. Oh no no I mean it, it's 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 getting there but I mean that's a oh yeah that's a good yeah who is that that's uh we're talking about uh Phyllis Coates is, is who you're asking about next uh well I was looking at Noel Neal the the picture of Superman um oh okay uh, but that, that's Kirk Allen that she's Kirk uh, Allen yeah 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 so, so the Superman. the next one obviously is uh, 1951 Superman versus the Mole Man starring Phil- Phyllis Coates. She wow, that's a stunner. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be anyone that tops her for any of the Superman, uh, you know, episodes. I don't know, like for any of the <laughs> other episodes, she might be above even uh, Catwoman from last week. Uh, what was her like the real Catwoman? Uh, you know, from the '66 series. I'm having oh, a brain fart now. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> The one that's not Earth the Kit. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, we'll come back to it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, all right, so the next one's Margot Kidder uh, in the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman quadrilogy. Yeah, what do you think of Margot Kidder? Um, I mean, you catch her at the right year of, like, you know, being over the age of 18, you know, it's she's all right you know now put on the right amount of makeup but i mean take it I, off and it's like as time goes on it's like what were you thinking see superman he can get any woman he wants hands down without question and really that's who he's going for i mean she's got very very thin lips but that are also wide and she's just like narrow eyes she's not like you know this doe wide like you know uh Neotness, you know, youthful face beauty. She's just like plain. Very plain. I don't see it. Now. Um, oh, Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar. Ugh, how uh, could I ever forget? What, uh, what, between her and Amy Jo Johnson, the Pink Power Ranger, my, my two first crushes. <laughs> you too? Oh, whose wasn't from our age group? (laughs) Oh my god, the pink Power Ranger was everything. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Alright, so let's go on, let's go on. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Terry Hatcher. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I remember in Lewis and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. (laughs) Oh man, she was like the most downloaded woman on the internet. No, no, literally she was because of that one picture of her that they took for uh, the show where she's like wrapped around in Superman's cape and not wearing anything else. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because remember, that was the very early internet. So uh, even though it's technically like not pornographic, you know, just that one image alone probably took people a few hours to download. (laughs) 
probably. And I, I remember she was on Seinfeld, and they, they had this skit. Where, and you remember Seinfeld. They were always like, are they real? Are they real? Like, they would cover their mouths, or they would do something to the side, and they would just talk about something, you know? And it was like, are those tits real? <laughs> yeah, and, and they actually, you know have a lane go try to find out for him and yeah she she's in the uh the sauna with her and she's hoping that uh she's gonna like take off like the uh the towel to like see and then as elaine is going to like shake her hand to introduce herself she does accidentally slip and both her hands just accidentally go right on terry hatcher's you know very firm breasts and so Terry Hatcher's character thinks that Jerry sent Elaine in there to like find out. <laughs> and so as she's breaking up with him and storming out of his apartment, she just turns to him and says, by the way, they're real and they're spectacular. And they truly were. <laughs> oh, oh, that is so great. Yep. Uh, who else we got here? Okay, so there's uh, – I'm not really familiar with this actress, but she was Erica Durant in, uh, in Smallville season four. Yeah, well, she started in season four and then like all the way through season ten. That show went on forever, long after they left Smallville. <laughs> oh, he probably like graduated college and started his own job by then. Well, yeah, they were starting at the uh, Daily Planet. I think oh. he dropped out of college because oh. Brainiac was his professor. Wow. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, I, I honestly, I never got into the show because, I mean, I, I never got into the TV shows as much as I did the movies, you know, the, going to the theater. Right, right. I, I saw all the first five seasons, uh, halfway through season six is when I finally dropped off, and I didn't join back on until like halfway through season 10, I want to say, at which point I was so lost. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it, it was not the best uh, superhero TV show. Like, the, the new Arrowverse and all the spinoffs and that, like, are a huge improvement over that. For, for the most part. But uh, every so often they would have, like, a mythology deep episode, like in season two, where uh, Christopher Reeve came on as um, uh, Dr. Swan. And those, those were genuinely good TV. Yeah, like whenever they would come back with like a new character, with a with a, somebody would play like an old character, like with the Flash, and they would have they would bring back the the guy who played Flash from like the nineteen nineties, you know. Oh yeah, well, uh, the guy that plays uh, you know, uh, Henry uh, Allen, he he was like a series regular. He wasn't just like a guest star. He was just like the dad like the whole series at first they 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 only had him like that and then suddenly he turned popular you know right right and then he went on to play like uh different versions of the flash throughout the multiverse too long after uh the father died that's the one thing about the 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 flash series that really ticked me off was that they used to play with my emotions like every episode at the end of every episode yeah, that's one I gotta catch up on. I think I'm like halfway through season four or so. All right, let's uh let's move on. Okay, we're almost so, done. Uh, we have Kate Bosworth alongside Brandon Ruth in 2005's uh, Superman Returns. Yeah, <sighs> Kate Bosworth. I, I know she's like a blonde and like she not not really what you typically think of when you think Lois Lane, but she is just so gorgeous like just such perfect skin perfect cheeks you know perfect proportions of all of her like facial features right now i i can see that but i i don't see her aging well no i don't think she has like what else has she been in since superman returns Uh, i think she she hit that hard like you know 27 years old and hollywood stopped calling her back pretty much yeah Yeah. which is it, it happens yeah yeah. All right. And, Which uh, should have happened to Amy Adams as well, I think. Like, Amy Adams, again, very, very attractive in her early 20s. And yeah. now she's she's just Amy Adams. Like, yeah, she, she she doesn't look like, you know, I don't know. She just, she doesn't bring it, you know, when she brought, when she's like, she just looks like a, a, a she looks filler. You know, she looks like she just fits the role. I mean, even in, like, Man of Steel, like, the first in that cinematic universe, already her skin was already starting to, like, wrinkle and show signs of, like, yeah. sun and aging. and Yeah. 
I remember that. I do better than Amy Adams. Like half the time, I go out. Like <laughs> uh, I expect, I expect uh, Henry Cavill to be able to as well. Yeah, so that that frustrates me. I mean, and we have one more, and this was one that I didn't find out until I was researching for uh, the episode because I, I I'm not up to everything on the Arrowverse. Like I said, like I've seen a, the one season of Arrow, a few of the Flash, like. All the different uh, crossovers. Like, I'm very much looking forward to Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they're getting like, yeah, Mark Hamill to play the Joker in live action. Apparently, like, <laughs> and Kevin Conroy is Batman. Yes, like, yes, it's yes. gonna be phenomenal. Oh, but God. I'll be completely lost because I'll not have seen anything leading up to it. <laughs> right, but I'm only going to watch because of Kevin Conroy. That is the only reason why I'm going to watch. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I know. I'm like, I, I heard Kevin Conroy was going to be on. I was like, <gasps> that okay. is the most perfect casting since, since J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Exactly. He and he's playing old man, uh, old man Wayne. Exactly. From like the Batman Beyond verse, right? Yes. Yes. Old man Wayne. You know. Oh man, I'm so excited. Oh, I love so, it. So the lowest from uh, the Arrowverse is apparently an actress named yes. Bitsy Tulloch, and which, what do you think of her? Uh, no. She, you know what she has? She has those uh, Maleficent cheeks, you know, where very high, prominent cheeks, but her face oh. is too gaunt. Yeah, so like looks... Aurora Jolie, but like, yeah, the gauntness. She's too gaunt. Oh, yeah, definitely a poor man's Angelina Jolie. Absolutely. Yes. yeah. Yeah, especially because, you know, the lips are, again, you know, uh, a bit too wide, you know, not not puffy and pouty enough. Not, you know, as you would say, blowjob lips. Yeah, and she's got no, uh... uh she looks she, like she should be playing... Else, I think. Like she should be playing, uh, Lara, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, she's like, she's the next step down or something like that. Yeah, she should be playing like his mom, not like his wife. Or like his mom's, like his mom's sister, <laughs> <laughs> Aurora. Is that her name? Like Aurora. Oh, Aurora. Sister. Oh, I love it. The mom does have no, no, uh, no. The mom has a sister-in-law. It's uh oh, uh, Jonathan's sister. Okay. No, 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 no. What it is is Jor-El has a brother named Zor-El, and his wife is named Alora, uh, who is the uh, mother of Kara Zor-El, who is gotcha. Supergirl. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, I don't think uh, Lara has a has a sister at all, to my knowledge. I could be wrong about that. In fact, there might be an issue in Grant Morrison's Action Comics run where she was visiting her sister. I'll gotta double check now. Anyway, that's everyone who's played uh, Lois Lane, but. You and I have been given the chance to cast for an upcoming 2019 uh, Superman movie. And we're inviting two specific actresses to our casting couch to audition for the role. Now, what actress are you inviting? I'm going to invite Rebecca Hall. Now, tell me about Rebecca Hall. Who is she? She kind of looks like a poor man's Hillary Duff, but I could be wrong on that one. She probably is. Um... <laughs> She's been in a couple things. Um, uh, let's see. We'll go through uh, Holmes and Watson. Uh, oh, yeah, Hart. I know that. All right, she was in Grace Hart. Uh, she was in Transcendence. As oh, Holmes and Watson, Cassidy. did you see that one? Um, is that the one with... Uh, uh, Will Ferrell? Yeah, no, Will Ferrell? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, yeah, absolutely the worst movie of last year, easily. Yeah. The trailer looked hilarious, and it was such a disappointment. Uh, she was in Iron Man 3 as Maya Hansen. All right. I think she was one of the extremist uh, subjects then. That would be my guess. Oh, oh, was she that girl that uh, fought um, Tony? Pepper Potts? Or Pepper Potts uh, inside that basement. You know where he he, he argued with that girl, and they got, they got into a fight, and she ended up dying? That could be her. That could be. I, I think that's probably her. Huh. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. So, could be so why have you chosen Rebecca Hale or Rebecca uh, Hall? The look. I, the look? I, and she's an actor, so obviously she knows the, what to do in that 
job or in that position, you know? All right, as opposed to just like a model from Victoria's Secret. Exactly. You know, you don't hire models. Models are not actresses. Models are models. Well, I tend to disagree with that philosophy. Like, hot is hot and not is not. Like, I'd rather a hot girl that can only portray herself while she's walking down the runway, you know, give her, like, the multi-million dollar movie than the best actress, but it's Betsy Ross, and all the acting in the world isn't going to cover up that fact. Oh, no, no, no. You have to... Obviously, the casting uh, director is not doing their job correctly if they're if they're miscasting someone such that they have to hire an actor to play the the the, they have to hire a a model to to play the look you know and then they sort of like uh fill in everything else with like you know good explosions and lots of money right i think i said betty uh betsy ross i meant betty white but pretty much the same thing I mean, they they were contemporaries to one another. <laughs> All right, for my part, I'm actually going with a bit of a cougar myself, uh, and that would be Minka Kelly, who, believe it or not, 40 years old this year. I know wow. she looks younger than both of us, but uh, she has just been a heartbreaker in everything I've ever seen her in. She was in one of my favorite shows of the last decade, which was tragically tragically cut short after 13 episodes and that would be uh i want to say almost human with uh one of the greatest actors if not the greatest actor of our generation carl urban who you know from the boys as billy butcher so yeah show Oh my god, I and love their take on, on the superheroes. We're, we're going to do a whole episode on the boys one day, uh, you know, in, in the distant future. But yeah, Carl Urban, if you want to see him in a show as good as the boys, you got to go watch uh, Almost Human. Uh, set in Detroit, and also she's in another uh, project set in Detroit called Become Human, Minka Kelly. So she's in... Almost Human and Become Human, both set in Detroit, both talking about, like, cyborgs that are lifelike and whatnot. And one of them, she plays a cyborg named North, and uh, you get to romance her, and that's why it's the best video game of 2018. But, uh, yeah, she's actually in the Arrowverse, or... No, she's not in the Arrowverse. Uh, She's in uh, a live-action DC property that's coming out soon. She's going to be playing Dove in Season 2 of DC's Titans. So, but hey, actresses are allowed to double-dip every now and then. Apparently, uh, what's-her-name, Chen, uh, is going to be playing uh, in Eternal, where she was already in... uh, She was already Minerva in Captain Marvel last year. So, if she can play uh, two actresses in the same universe, Minka Kelly absolutely is allowed to. Mahershala Ali? No, no. uh, What's her name? I know the last name is Chen. Uh, No, no, I'm Chen. I'm giving a comparison also. Oh, yeah. He's also doing that. That's right. He was uh, Cottonmouth, and now he's going to be Blade. That's right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's – and by all means, go for it. You know, do it. If if – honestly, I think he's got the chops. Oh, absolutely. Undubitably. And I've been a fan of his since uh, the 4400, which, great sci-fi show back in the day. I I wish they would just, like, give a summary of all the seasons that they never got to shoot, because that was just one twist after another. And I really wanted to see how that ended. But okay, that leaves us, you know, at the end of Lois Lane, uh, we got two more talking about uh, all the LLs, including Lana Lane and a few others next uh, time. That's in two weeks. And in a month from now, we're going to be talking about all Superman's other girlfriends. So we got a lot there. That brings us to our closing segment, which is called So I'm at the Bar. And it begins as always. So I'm at the Bar. And I'm waiting on my friends because this is going to be our rendezvous spot because we're going to the strip club. Now, earlier that night, I had been planning on staying in. It was going to be my first night in in many years now. I am always out and about. But my friends called and like, cowboy, strip club. And I'm like, I'm getting ready right away. I'll be there in like 15 minutes. So I'm at the bar. 
And my friend's like, oh, man, I didn't have time to change after work. I can't go to a strip club in my work uniform. He's, uh, he's an Amtrak conductor. And I looked at him like, no, nah, no, nah, you definitely can't. But they're open till 5. You've got time to change. He's like, no, nah, cowboy. Then our uh, friend, the accountant, the one that suggested it all, he's like, ah, oh, no, my boss not let me come out tonight. We tried to get our bartender friend to come with us. And despite the fact that he has a gut on him, he gets... He gets more girls than I do. I, I don't know what his secret is, but he uh, he's like, no, cowboy, I, I'm good. And he probably was that night. So I'm like, well, this train has left the station. I've already got my cash out. I've already got psyched up. I'm going all alone. I am going stag to the strip club. So I, I go to one that I've only been to once in my life. There's another down the street that I've been to a few more times than that, but uh I walk in, and they're like, and this is a busy night. We're talking a lot of patrons, and they do good business. But like, I go to show my ID. Like, oh, no, cowboy, you're good. We remember you. I'm like, okay, well, this is off to a good start. Auspicious. I'm sitting uh, a little bit away from the, uh, you know, where they're dancing because, you know, I'm not right. Right, right, yeah, to uh, make it rain and all that. I'm just, you know, enjoying the show from afar, letting other people enjoy. I'm waiting until I see someone I, I really like. One of them looks just like uh, one of my ex-girlfriends from last, from a while back. I, I don't want to date this at all. But, uh, whew, she, she was like, you know, my ex, but actually a lot skinnier and a lot hotter for that reason. And... I couldn't quite say no when she offered, uh, you know, to give me a dance. Uh, and she offered to give a lot more than that, you know, for not a lot of money. I'm like, no, this is uh, a little too weird because of the resemblance. Because, man, that, that girl that uh, I had broken up with, she's unfondly remembered as crazy number two. So it, it was just like looking in crazy eyes right again. So I go back and I start hanging out. Uh, Right where I was. And another girl, she steps off the stage and she comes over to me and she is in not like, you know, a swimsuit or a bikini or like fully nude like half the girls there. She put it on a sweatshirt. And I, well, now this is different and refreshing. And she sits next to me and we smart. We start smoking a hookah together, and we're hanging out for a good hour. She is not pressuring me in the least to like buy a dance or anything like that. And then she's like, hey, cowboy, can I give you my phone number? And I'm like, well, hell yeah. And she's like, you and I, uh, we should hang out together outside the bar. I'm like, is this real? Damn. So I text her the next day, and surprise surprise like she wasn't joking like she texts me back we get to like talking and she's like yeah let's uh let's grab a drink tonight cowboy like 30 minutes before we're supposed to meet up she's like oh so sorry got called into the other job let's uh meet up tomorrow night so i go out to like hang out with my friends and like all right i guess i'm not uh finding any girl tonight well no soon as the barmaid gets off work, uh, she starts hanging out with me and my group, and it turns into, like, an impromptu date, and end of the night, she and I are making out, and she's somehow even hotter than the 22-year-old stripper I had a date with that night. The next day, the stripper texts me again, like, okay, I can't do tonight, but I can do tomorrow during the day. Now, I work during the day, uh, like, from uh, 2 to 10 often. I'm like, well, I don't want to like go into work drunk, and I don't want to like, call her date short. So I get permission from my boss to come in early. I wake up 3.30 in the morning, get to work at 4 a.m., do my eight hours. I'm out the door by noon, ready to go on this date. That's how eager I am like to go out with this 22-year-old stripper. She finally like texts me again, like, oh, got to delay again. Thankfully, it's only a few hours. She's like, okay, 3 o'clock. I'm at the bar, 3 on the dot. 3.40 comes, and she finally, finally shows up. And after all this thinking of, like, oh, man, is she standing me up one time after another after another? Like, is this, like, me being put on or whatnot? 
Nope. Check that off the bucket list. Had a date with a 22-year-old stripper. And, yeah, there's more to that story, but uh, we'll have to save that for another day. So, yeah, of the many, many professions, including, like, I did a rod uh, racer and ice road trucker and former crack whore and nun and uh, model and millionaire and all the others that I've dated. Uh, stripper is also on that list. So, yeah, we'll continue with another story next week. This has been Matthew's Memoirs, also known as So I'm at the Bar. Now, if you want to... Uh, Hear more from us, you can follow me on Twitter at MattJTherio, or you can follow uh, the Super Sexy Podcast on Facebook. So until next time, see y'all.